Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Corey assisting me today. Today we have a detailed lesson prepared for the brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Danger Zone. Today we're going to talk about the spirit of offense, brothers and sisters. An offense is Satan's trap to hold you back from God's blessings in your life. Recognizing this spirit of offense and restraining it is key to personal freedom that ultimately unlocks the ability to enjoy life in its simplest pleasures. Today we will learn how to defeat the spirit of offense, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is divinely inspired to position us as believers towards living beyond the offenses in an offensive world. Freedom from the bondage of offenses. We're going to go to Psalms 133. We're going to start at verse 1. Psalms 133 verse 1 Behold how behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity brothers and sisters it is vitally important for us as followers of Christ to realize how detrimental strife and um, offense is to our spiritual lives every opportunity <clears throat> to be involved in strife and offense is a trap from Satan brothers and sisters can you read that again brother Corey Verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Right, so God, the Most High, meant for his people to dwell together in unity, brothers and sisters. But Satan wants to get God's people off track and to get them fighting flesh and blood rather than the spiritual darkness. We're going to go to John chapter 10, verse 10 to show you what Satan's plan is. The Most High's plan is unity. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity is the Most High's plan. So we must learn how to deal with offenses. Offenses lead to what? Relationships being severed. They lead to sometimes murder, sometimes fisticuffs. So we want to learn how to deal with it at its source, at the base. We're going to go to John 10 verse 10. This is Satan's plan, brothers and sisters. We know the Most High wants us to be unified. He loves unification. John 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is Satan, brothers and sisters. Read that again, please, brother. Verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Satan's plan, brothers and sisters, is to destroy unity and peace. He is vehemently against unity. I am come that they might have life and that... That they might have it more abundantly. Right. So Satan has come to destroy unity, brothers and sisters. But Christ came for... Read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. I, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Right. So Christ came that we would have life more abundantly, brothers and sisters. But Satan looks to stop that. And one of his... One of his baits, one of his traps, his snares is offense to make us be offended. Offenses, brothers and sisters. We're going to learn how to defeat being offended. We're going to go to Luke chapter 17 verse. We're going to read one through three. Because offenses were prophesied in the Bible. They must come, brothers and sisters. People are going to look to offend you purposely, maybe accidentally, unbeknownst to them. Nevertheless, Every person has been offended one time in their life, brothers and sisters. Luke 17, verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, 
It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Read that again, brother. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. See, so it's impossible that offenses will not come, brothers and sisters. Offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse, uh, verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a milestone were hanged about his neck, or a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Right. So the Bible says that it would be better for a man to be drowned than to offend one of his children, brothers and sisters. So knowing that the opportunity to become offended will come, we need to learn what to do when it does come, brothers and sisters. Things will come across life like a bait to a trap. And if you take that bait, brothers and sisters, you're going to fall into that pit that Satan has carefully crafted. Can you uh, read verse 3, brother? Verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespassed against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. This is critical, brothers and sisters. If a brother or a sister offends you or trespass against you, what should you do? Read that again, brother. Verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Right. So the devil, brothers and sisters, knows that harboring unforgiveness in our lives can stop our progress and stop our blessings, brothers and sisters. It can delay God's perfect plan in our lives. Read that one more time from the top, brother, please. Luke 17, verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. So you go to your brother, you go to your sister and you tell him what they did offended you or it hurt you. I asked him not to do that again. Brother, you know, it's okay, brother. But, you know, a brother trying to get past you in the pews, you step on your toe, right? You don't go say, did you see, did he step on your toe? Yeah, he stepped on my toe too. Yeah, he stepped on my toe. No, you go to your brother and you say, hey brother, uh, you know, you stepping all on my toe, man. Next time, can you say, excuse me? Oh, yeah, 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 I ain't know. Well, you know, next time say something, I'll keep my big toe, you know, right? <laughs> so you go to your brother, you go to your sister, you don't allow it to build up and then to turn into something, brothers and sisters, because if you hold that thing in, you're going to start taking tally on people. Like, oh yeah, he did this last week. And yesterday he said this. And then yesterday she said that. When really, we can just go to our brother or our sister and, you know, uh, have discourse. You know, respectful discourse about what transpired. Uh, we're going to read that one more time, actually, brother, before we move on. Verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent... Forgive him. Why? Because why? Sometimes you'll go to your brother or your sister and say, brother, this offended me. This hurt me. And he'll come to you and say, well, that wasn't my intentions. Or she'll come to you and say, well, my intentions was not that. And then it's all over with. But if you never go to your brother or your sister, then you're going to start to harbor that spirit of uh, bitterness. And we have to know this, brothers and sisters, because why? We're going to be together. We're going to be together. We're going to leave the country. We're going to do the work. And if we're all going to be together in, you know, a small confined space. We must learn how to respect each other. 
That's what we must learn how to do, brothers and sisters, because offense can turn into murder. Offense can turn into betrayal. And everybody's been betrayed by somebody that they trust at some time or another, brothers and sisters. So this scripture, if you examine it from top to bottom, Christ is telling you that it's impossible for offenses not to come, especially as we get closer to the last days, brothers and sisters. There's going to be a lot of things thrown in your direction, whether it's family, friends, colleagues, co-workers, saying things that could possibly be taken, you know, in an offensive manner. What do you do when somebody offends you? We're going to go to Proverbs 19 and 11. Wisdom scriptures. Old Testament, brothers and sisters, follow us. Proverbs chapter 19, we're going to read verse 11. Proverbs 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. See, so forgiveness, brothers and sisters, is an honorable thing. Forgiveness. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Right, to pass over a transgression, brothers and sisters. So when you cover an offense, you give grace, you give empathy to that to him or she that have offended you. When you overlook offense, brothers and sisters, you choose to give something valuable to yourself, brothers and sisters. The reminder that your security is not based on others' opinions, but your security is based on Christ and how he feels about you. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Right. So it's our choice, brothers and sisters, whether or not to agree with Satan's suggestions to get offended. The media does a good job on playing on this. They show certain things to certain demographics of people and say, well, you should be offended at that because you're black. You should be offended. So now they're telling you when to be offended. Because they know what comes with the offense. So now we only get offended when the when the government, when the media show a black man being killed on the streets. Then we get offended. We're not offended when a black man kills a black man. There's no offense. So this is this 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 offense is government engineered, brothers and sisters. They're engineering these offenses, brothers and sisters. And we have to learn how to control our tempers. We have to learn how to control our forgiveness level. We have to learn how to cover over somebody's transgression because somebody will transgress, brothers and sisters. They may offend you. You don't have to be offended, though. Right? Christ came and died for our sins. And those who he came for spit on him, stabbed him, mocked him, mimicked him, put a crown of thorns on him. And before he died, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do, brothers and sisters. He came for the very people that killed him. And he had, and he, he had mercy. He had mercy. Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Verse 11. The discretion of a man deferred his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Right, so if a brother or a sister do do something to offend you, you don't have to react in an offensive manner. You can say, well, you know what? I know that brother, or I know that sister, and that's not their character. That's not who they truly are, and I'm going to overlook that transgression. You have the power to do that, brothers and sisters. You don't have to pay somebody back everything that they do to you. Because two rights don't, you know, two wrongs don't make it right. It makes it even. And we're not looking forward to making anything even, brothers and sisters. We're men of God. We're women of God. We allow, we allow the most high to deal with whoever have offended you, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Follow us, brothers and sisters. 
We're going to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We're going to read verse 21. Ecclesiastes 7 and 21. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken. Read that again, brother. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken. This is good advice, brothers and sisters. And much for every man's peace, <laughs> you know, on earth. This is good advice. Hear this out, brothers and sisters. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. See? So you can't be worried about what everybody is saying. There's been times in the past where maybe somebody was not particularly fond of me personally. It's probably because, you know, uh, the, what we teach. And, you know, maybe somebody is telling me, well, so-and-so said this. I'm like, brother, I'm really... Not really, you know, I'm not even interested in what he said, brother, because if if I hear it, then I may be stimulated to engage him. So I don't even want to hear what he said, brother. I know it was negative. He said it about me. I'm going to just leave it there, brother. We give people too much value, brothers and sisters. If, they, if you don't really value somebody's opinion, there's no reason for you to get stimulated. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 21. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou that though thyself likewise has cursed others. Right. So you know that you said things that, you know, at, at some at one point or another probably could have been taken as offensive to somebody, right, brothers and sisters? So we remember that. We can't be terribly interested in others' opinions of you. Right, brothers and sisters? We should not be too curious to know what other people think of us. Right? So a lot of times Somebody will tell you, yeah, so-and-so was saying this about you. you like, what did he say? What was he saying? When did he say this? Oh, I need to say something to him about it. You don't have to react that way, brothers and sisters. He said something? Oh, well, bless that brother. I love that brother. Bless that brother. I forgive that brother. Don't engage, brothers and sisters, because as a man, you'll get that thing riled up in you. When you hear something, you feel like, hold on. Is he testing my man, huh? See, so that's why you can't even listen, brothers and sisters, because if you listen, you there will be something that's sparked in you to feel like, you know what, I need to go say something to this brother. Or I need to say something to this sister. Read it one more time, brother, please. Verse 21. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. Right. So don't allow anyone, brothers and sisters, to entice you into engagement. Oh, how easily we are offended with people's disrespectful words, right? So we must ignore conversation that may lead to confrontation, brothers and sisters. Ignore conversation that may lead to confrontation. The Bible admonishes us not to be oversensitive, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 21. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. Right. So, brothers and sisters, if you know it's a... You know, it's a confrontational relationship with a particular person and you may be compelled to believe that, you know, they're not too fond of you. Then don't engage it. Don't even listen to it, brothers and sisters. You know what, brother? Thank you. But, you know, <laughs> thank you, brother. But I'm, I'm good, brother. Thank you. I don't need to really know how the brother was slandering my name. <laughs> I don't feel good about him slandering my name. So really, I'm, I don't want to hear it right now, brother. Thank you, though. Thank you. We're going to go to Psalms 119. We're talking about defeating, brothers and sisters, the spirit of offense, being offended. 
going to Psalms 119 and 165. Psalms 119 and 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. Read that again, brother. Great peace have they which love thy law. Right, so it's unfortunate, brothers and sisters, that offenses ever occur. But the Bible indicates to us that if we keep our focus on the Most High and His Word, He will maintain such a peace in our heart that we can become resistant to offenses. Verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Right. See, so when you follow the Most High God, when you follow his law, statutes, and commandments, you build thick skin. You're not really concerned with everything that everybody say about you all the time. Read that one more time, brother. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Those that have... The love of the Most High's word have great peace, brothers and sisters. And it surpasses what we actually expect. We, it surpasses that, brothers and sisters. So we're, we're talking about how to cover offense. Because why? Especially in the world where there's a lot of non-believers. You may be the only person in your family or your group of friends who actually have the truth. So because of that, certain people may say things that offend you. Because why? There's two different perspectives on life. You have a non-believer and you have a believer. So they're going to butt heads sometimes. What do you do when the adversity comes? Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Right. So when you get a root in yourself, because you have understanding of the Bible, you have understanding of who you are, who your God is, what your purpose is, it makes it harder to offend you, brothers and sisters. It makes it hard to offend you. And a lot of times, uh, I know that I'm somebody's trying to antagonize me. Because if you have influence, people will try to aggravate you so you can show yourself as a fool in front of those who you actually influence. So a lot of times, people will be saying things to you purposely for you to be roused up. And then they'll sit back and have everybody that you influence looking at you like, this the dude right here? This that guy? This that Bible man? This that, that Bible woman right here? So it's a trap. It's a trick. It's a snare, brothers and sisters. Do not be enticed. Do not let Satan entice you, antagonize you, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs <clears throat> chapter 11. We're going to read verse 12. Proverbs 11 verse 12. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor. But a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Right. So those who really love the word of God, brothers and sisters, and understand his words, do not allow small irritants and annoyances to drive a wedge between yourself and others, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 12. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Right. So a man void of wisdom is easily provoked into conflict and a man of understanding holdeth his peace, brothers and sisters. So that means he's not easily he's not easily uh, sucked into conflict or adversity or discourse or, 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 or fight or fisticuffs, brothers and sisters. That doesn't make you a punk. That makes you in control. That means that you have self-restraint, brothers and sisters. You don't have to meet people on their level because a lot of times when you meet them on their level, you actually step down. And if you step down, now you've lowered your, you've lowered everything about yourself to step down to 
engage somebody. Offenses, brothers and sisters, they will come. What will you do when that time comes? We're going to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. New Testament, brothers and sisters. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to read verse 15. Hebrews 12 and 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Right. So, brothers and sisters, this particular scripture, if you, if you examine it, it reveals how bitterness will grow within us if we let it. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Right, so bitterness will make you defiled, brothers and sisters. It will change your whole perception on everything and everyone. If you have a root of bitterness, brothers and sisters. So after examining the scripture, when we realize this, we'll be quick to remove it in its early stages in a, instead of allowing it to continue to, uh, you know, dig a, deep, a deeper ditch, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Right, so knowing how to deal with offense, brothers and sisters, or offenses is very important. Offense is one of Satan's best tricks, one of his best baits to trap us in an emotional and spiritual prison when you're offended. Being offended will make you betray somebody who you love. Right? It's happened many times, brothers and sisters. Usually, 85% of murder victims are murdered by somebody who they know, brothers and sisters. Because why? Offense takes place. Read that one more time, brother. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Right, so bitterness spring up within you, brothers and sisters. You will be troubled. So what the scripture is saying, if you examine it, is holding on to an offense is a killer in your spiritual life, brothers and sisters. It's a killer to your spiritual development, brothers and sisters. Letting offense simmer unchallenged will destroy your relationship with the Most High, brothers and sisters. So we have to, we have to engage it head on and deal with it, brothers and sisters. When we know there's an offense there or there's some bitterness there, deeply rooted, then we have to go to the Most High. We have to deal with forgiveness. We have to deal with prayer. We have to deal with meekness and humility. These are the things that we must do when that spirit of offense try to take over your vessel. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. The New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to read verse 24 and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Right, so you must not be quarrelsome or argumentative. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. This is what a man of God does, brothers and sisters. He's gentle to all people. He's sensitive. He's not dismissive, brothers and sisters. Apt to teach, so that means ready to share what you know and patient. Just because you're gentle don't make you a punk, brothers and sisters. 
Just because you're a man of God don't make you a punk. Christ always had protection. Remember, the disciple cut the centurion's ear off. So Christ had protection, brothers and sisters. A lot of men don't want to come to the Bible because they believe that make you a punk. But I don't think anybody would want to engage a true man of God under that perception. Because now you're fighting against the Most High. You're not just fighting against that man or that woman. You're fighting against him. You're fighting against the Father. You're fighting against Christ. So just because you're gentle and meek and humble does not make you soft, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Right, so Paul understood, brothers and sisters, that when we yield ourselves to participate in strife or offense, we are taken captive by Satan to do his will instead of the most high's will, brothers and sisters. Uh, can you read that again, brother? Verse 25. Uh, from the top, please. Verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. In meekness. So if a brother offends you, or he may be, or she may be transgressing the law, you can go to them in meekness and humility. In meekness means not trying to condemn them. Even though they may be transgressing, you don't condemn them, brothers and sisters. Because who are you to condemn somebody? None of us are in any position to condemn anybody. We're all slaves. None of us have power. If we had power, we wouldn't be in this condition, brothers and sisters. So in meekness, if your sister offend you or your brother offend you, or they're doing something that would be ill-advised as it pertains to the Most High. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth. Why does it say those that oppose themselves? Because sin actually works against you, brothers and sisters. It actually works against you. I know it seems like fun for a moment. But it works against you. It actually, sin leads to death, brothers and sisters. The wages of sin is death, brothers and sisters. So, if you examine the scripture from top to bottom, uh, you know, what it's trying to convey to us is that if we follow that which is good, the faster and the further we shall flee from that which is evil, brothers and sisters. We're going to move forward. We're going to go to Matthew 18 and 6. We've been talking about if somebody offends us. But understand, as a believer, you are commanded to do something. And we're going to see what it is. Matthew 18 verse 6. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 6. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me. Right. So we are also charged to, you know, with a responsibility to guard our own conduct from causing offenses, brothers and sisters, which could harm the faith of other believers. So your particular behavior, my behavior can affect somebody who's actually looking to come into the truth. If you're not being becoming as a man of God or woman of God, people who you're trying to convert, look at that and say, well, why would I want to? If, if that's what the truth is, why would I want anything to do with that? 
So it's imperative, brothers and sisters, when you're amongst people who are not in the truth, that you're trying to help get them here, that you're an example. That means you can't do what they do. Because if you're doing the right thing and they're doing the same thing, then why would they change? There must be a clear difference in you and the person that you're trying to convert, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 6. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Right, so believers must be cognizant of the things that they're saying, because most of your friends, your family, are not believers. So some of the things that you say, which may be true, could be viewed as offensive to, to non-believers. We're going to show you what we mean. We're going to go to James in the New Testament, chapter 1. We're going to read verse 26, please, brother. James 1 and 26. If any man among you seem to be religious. Read that again, brother. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Right. So if you're a man or a woman who is always in the spirit of readiness to speak on someone else's faults then you're showing that whatever religion or whatever you're dealing with holds no weight. So I'm not, I don't even need to follow because you can't even control the words that come out of your own mouth as a man of God or a woman of God. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Right. So brothers and sisters, we must be sensitive to the veracity of your comments, brothers and sisters. Just because something is true doesn't give you license to say it right now. And that's the thing that you have to understand, especially when you come in this truth, right? You're at your family's house, your friend's house, and there's some pork on the table. Oh, nah, I don't eat pork. Nah, nah. The Bible said that's what he is. Nah, I don't eat that. See, now that right there is probably not the best time to say that. Even though it's truth, you must understand and mature that it's not always the right time to share that truth. We know it's true. When I was young in the truth, I didn't really understand that. I'm like, it's the truth, man. They're going to take that. I don't care what's going on. I don't want to have it. Listen, if it's not about the most high, then we don't got nothing to say. All right. Are we done? Shalom, brother. Bye. <laughs> now, I was shorting myself because I didn't have... You know, I couldn't interact with my brethren and my sisters, and I understood that that wasn't the right way. But when you're young and you're so excited, you have truth, you just spew it out. You at the, you at the Thanksgiving dinner. You y'all should pull your Bibles out. Let me show you the Thanksgiving pagan. Let me show you. That's probably not the best time. You know, right before they cut the turkey for you to pull out scriptures and go into a Bible lesson. <laughs> so we got to understand, brothers and sisters, we must control our mouth. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's, this man's religion is vain. Right. So if your lifestyle, brothers and sisters, is going to be a point of contention, you have to examine that. Because if you're surrounded by non-believers, then the things that you say, they ask you about Valentine's Day. You say, well, you know, I read that that was pagan. See, right there, that's probably going to offend them, brothers and sisters. So you have to, you can't just be, you know, especially when you're dealing with non-believers, because these things that you're saying 
even though it's true, could be taken as offensive, brothers and sisters. And we already read, if you offend one of these, that you should be cast into the sea with the millstone wrapped around your neck. So, what do we have to do? We have to monitor ourselves. We must restrict ourselves. We must show some self-restraint, brothers and sisters. Because why? If you offend somebody, they're going to automatically associate their perception of that offense to your way of worship. And that's what we got to understand, brothers and sisters. If you are a believer and you're amongst people who are not believers, anything you do to offend them, they're going to associate that with the Bible and what you're following. So that's why we got to be very careful about the things that we're saying. Other people may offend us too, but you're the believer. So you have to be very, you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful, brothers and sisters, about offending others. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 6 and 3 to show you. We're going to buffer that point. Because you lie on the Bible when you're angry, when you, you know, when you're dealing with fornication and you're dealing with these types of things, brothers and sisters, you're really just showing that person that's viewing you that your religion don't hold no weight because you don't even follow it. You're sitting here telling me, but you're breaking it. Why would I want to? <laughs> you're breaking it and you don't want to bring it to me. Why would I want to hear anything that you have to say? There's a brother that I know. Um, when I met him, I tried to share with him that we were the Jews, the Israelites. And he was like, yeah, I know, man. One of my brethren, he told me that a few years ago, but he also told me the white man was the devil. So I really don't want to deal with this Israelite thing. And I'm like, wow, wow. But I understood because everything that you say out of your mouth will be associated with the way of worship and your God. You have to know that, brothers and sisters, and that will help us protect ourselves and keep a defense up, keep a guard up when we're amongst people that we're trying to fish for. That we're trying to gain as souls, brothers and sisters. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Verse 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Read that again, brother. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. See? That the ministry be not blamed. So we must be mindful of how our conduct can affect other people, brothers and sisters. Just because something is true... Doesn't always mean it's the perfect time to communicate that, brothers and sisters. And that come with maturity. That come with age. You 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 know, that come with age to know when to share something and when not to. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse three, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Right. See, because anything you do is going to be attached to what you represent, brothers and sisters. Right. If you claiming that you're an Israelite, but then we catch you stealing over at the. At the store, I'm going to be like, bro, thought you said you was a Jew, bro. What is, what is this? That's what's going to happen, brothers and sisters. So you will be held responsible if your behavior leads another brother or sister to not be interested. If you're the reason why a brother or sister don't want this, you will be held responsible, brothers and sisters. Now, we know that Whoever, whatever people frequent each other most are going to have the greatest chance for offense, right? So that's who. We got to take an audit or an examination of our friends because our friends have more access to us than anybody else. You probably talk to your friends more than you talk to your parents once you're an adult. You're probably not talking to your parents every day. Maybe not even every week. But your friends, you talk to your friends all the time. All the time. So a lot of offenses will come 
there, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Right. So we must understand that if our lifestyle may be a, uh, a point of contention with a non-believing family, this is what happens when you're unequally yoked. So that means we may have to modify who we call a friend because your lifestyle alone may be just too offensive, brothers and sisters. So that's what we're going to deal with. We're going to look at what makes a good friend because the majority of the offenses are going to come from friends, brothers and sisters. So we must turn, we must surround ourselves with those who are not offended by truth, brothers and sisters. If, if that makes any sense to you, we must surround ourselves with people who are not offended by truth. And to buffer that point, we're going to show you in the Bible where there were some brothers who were actually offended by Christ sharing truth. We're going to go to Matthew 15 to show you that even though it's truth, people still can be offended by that. We're going to read Matthew 15 and 10 through 14. Matthew 15, verse 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand. This is the buffer, the point that people can be, can be, and will be offended by truth, brothers and sisters. Verse 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. Right. So it's what cometh out of your heart that actually defile you, brothers and sisters. It's your thoughts. That's what actually defile you. When you think about doing certain things that is a sin, you've already sinned by doing it in your mind, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Read that again, brother. Verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knoweth thou that the, the, the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? To show you that people can be offended even though there is truth, brothers and sisters. Christ, what he said was truthful. It was authentic. It was genuine, brothers and sisters. And these brothers were still offended. To show you that there's a way in which this truth, if you use it incorrectly, can be offended. Now, Christ was going to offend them irregardless because they were against Christ. And in fact, they used some of these same things that's going on in this particular passage at his trial to have him killed. So Christ offended them and they used this. These are one of the things, the many things they used against Christ, brothers and sisters. So we just wanted to go to this scripture to show that even though there's truth, that truth can be offensive too. So because of that, we have to modify who we're around. We must be around friends who you can be yourself with and not be offended or not offend them either, brothers and sisters. Both ways. We're going to show you Proverbs 20 and 6. We'll show you, brothers and sisters. We're going to talk about how do you know who is a good friend? Who's a loyal friend? Who can you trust? Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man who can find. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. This reminds us that everyone cannot and should not be a close friend, brothers and sisters. Because why? Every man thinks he's good. Every woman thinks they're good. Nobody come out and say, well, you know what? I'm really an alcoholic, brother, and you probably should stay away from me. Nobody says that, brothers and sisters. A sister not going to come to you and say, you know what? I, you know, I am a little loose out there. You know, I am a liar. Yeah. You know, I've been a liar. This is never going to happen. 
Read it one more time, brother. Verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Right. So every man will magnify himself. But a faithful man who can find. To let you know that good friends, good men are hard to find, brothers and sisters. Just because you meet a brother on the street that you like to get beers with don't mean he's a good man. Doesn't mean that that sister is a good sister just because she's breathing, brothers and sisters. So because of that, we got to test you. We got to know if you're a good friend or if you are an enemy in sheep's clothing, brothers and sisters. Quality trumps quantity when it comes to friendship, brothers and sisters. So we must select our friends wisely. Selectivity, brothers and sisters. This is what the Bible encourages us to do. Can you read that again? Verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Right, a faithful man who can find. Why do we go to this scripture? Because a substantial amount of offenses will come from those you call your friends, brothers and sisters. Why? Because they have more opportunity for offense. They spend a considerable amount of time with you. They have more access to you. So someone who have more access to you, theoretically, there's going to be more opportunity for them to offend you, brothers and sisters, or for you to offend them. And because of that, you must surround yourself with people who are not offended by truth. We're going to Proverbs 13, verse 20. Just a few chapters over. One second. All right. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. See, so we should select our friendships carefully, brothers and sisters, because sinful friends bring corruption. It's, it's critical that you surround yourself with people who want you to succeed in life, who want to help elevate you in life. To help support you in life, brothers and sisters. Not get you to go down a path to hell. That's not a good friend, brothers and sisters. A good friend is not going to ask you to sell drugs with them, brothers and sisters. A good friend is not going to tell, have her homegirl work at the strip club, brothers and sisters. That's not a good friend. A good friend is not going to say we should go rob some people. That's not a good friend. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Right. So this scripture is saying that a person becomes becomes more like those who they associate with, brothers and sisters. Usually the people that you hang around are most like you, brothers and sisters. And this is why it's critically important to choose our friends wisely, brothers and sisters. I know your parents always told you, don't be hanging out with, you know, be hanging out with them knuckleheads out there, right? Or they tell your daughter, I don't want you hanging out with her. That girl fast. I don't want you hanging around her fast tail. Right? So your parents always knew that who you surround yourself with could be detrimental, brothers and sisters. So you want to surround yourself around righteous, moral men and women of God with integrity, with principles, with values, brothers and sisters. We're going to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. We're talking about what a good friend is, brothers and sisters. Are you a good friend? Do you have good friends? Because why? Offenses, offenses will come. So there's a way to prevent many offenses, and that's by surrounding yourself with those 
who think like you. Verse 24? Uh, verse 20, excuse me. Proverbs 22, verse 20. Have not I written to thee excellent things and, and counsels uh, excuse and Excuse me, Salah, you brother. I'm sorry. Verse 24 and 25. All right. Proverbs 22, verse 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Bad company corrupts good morals almost every time, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a fur furious man thou shalt not go. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. So you not only become ensnared, brothers and sisters, but you begin to learn their ways. So if you associate with a hot-tempered person or a hot, temp you know, hot-tempered people, you will yourself become hot-tempered. It's likely, brothers and sisters, is a high possibility, brothers and sisters. So most often we become like those who we associate with. That's what this scripture is talking about. It's not just as it pertains to anger, just in general, broadly. Read that one more time, brother, from the top. Verse 24. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Why? Because usually you feed off the energy around your boys. When you're around your boys. Remember you was in school and people, when they had a group of people, they, they seemed really bold, right? They seemed really bold when they got 20 friends with them, right? They're the toughest person. This is how it is, brothers and sisters. You feed off each other's energy. So if you got good energy around, it's going to be easy for you to just be righteous and just vibrant, vivacious. But if you're around gloominess and darkness and evil and unrighteousness, that's going to be hard for you, brothers and sisters, because you're being tugged back and forth. So the main thing we want to do is surround ourselves with brothers and sisters who are not offended by truth. We're going to go to Psalms 119 and 63. Psalms chapter 119 and uh, 63. We're talking about the spirit of offense, brothers and sisters, and who to surround yourself with in these last days. Psalms 119 verse 63. I am a companion of all them that fear thee. Read that again, brother. I am a companion of all them that fear thee. And of them that keep thy precepts. Right. So godly friends beget godly behavior, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 63. I am a companion of all them that fear thee. And of them that keep thy precepts. So those who fear the most high are good companions and make excellent friends, brothers and sisters. That's what this is talking about. You will soon learn that their godly values will rub off on you, brothers and sisters. Good friends are usually friends who can hold each other accountable, brothers and sisters, and help you develop where you're weak. That's what a good friend does, brothers and sisters. So any man of God is a friend of mine. That's what this scripture is talking about. Read that one more time, brother. I am a companion of all them that fear thee. That fear the most high. And of them that keep thy precepts. Keep the commandments. So a man who fear the most high and keep his commandments, that's a man you can trust. That's a man you can trust, brothers and sisters. That's a man, that's a woman that you can trust. There's no other way to know if we can trust you. This is how you prove who's there, who's going to ride with you and die with you, who's going to support you and have your back 
when you need some support. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 63. I am a companion of all them that fear thee, and of them that keep thy precepts. See, I'm a companion of those who fear the Most High. Now, I can respect you, brother. I can respect you, sister, even if you don't deal with this. But you're not my friend, though. That's the thing. That's the whole deal. We may know each other, associates and all, but we're not friends. Because I don't have friends who like to sin. Now, of course, you have, you know, people in your life that you've known from the past, but you're not hanging out with them every day. You're probably not hanging out with them every week. And if you are, I hope you pulling them to Christ and not the other way around, brothers and sisters. So if I meet a person and a brother say, oh, I'm an atheist. Okay, brother. Well, have a good day. Shalom, brother. I'm not going to be like, yeah, man, we should go uh, catch a beer. You want to go catch the Redskins game? I don't want to catch the Redskins game with you, brother. You're an atheist. I want you to get far away from me, brother. These are the requirements, brothers and sisters. Because why? A man of God not going to steal from you. He's not going to fornicate with your wife. Right? He's not going to murder you. Because why? He's following the laws of the Bible. Now, if he's not following the laws, then how do I measure this man? How do I measure his integrity? How do I measure his morals? How can I trust him? Because why? When you have family, you have a wife, you have a husband, you have kids, you got to protect your family and be careful about who you let around your family. So the only way I know if I can allow this man or woman around my loved ones is this. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 63. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. See, if you surround yourself with these type of people, brothers and sisters, life will go much smoother. There's encouragement there. There's you know, there's godly behavior. There's God-fearing people in your corner. There's prayer warriors in your corner, brothers and sisters. These are the type of friends we're looking for. We're going to Job 28 and 28. A man who fear the Most High and keep the precepts, keep the commandments, is a man that you can trust, brothers and sisters. Job 28, verse 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil, is understanding. Right. This is the fruit and effect of fear of the Lord, brothers and sisters. And that says to depart from evil. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil, is understanding. See, so when you fear the Most High, you depart from evil, and that's the understanding, brothers and sisters. See? So, read that one more time, brother. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom, brothers and sisters. It tells you if you if you walk with a wise man, you you shall become wise. If you walk with a foolish man, you shall fall to ruin, brothers and sisters. Wisdom begins with fearing the Most High God, fearing He who created you. He made you. Fear Him. The same way you feared your, your parents, your grandparents, your grandmother, your mother, you feared Him because you respected Him and you were scared of their judgment. You loved Him. And unto man He said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Right. So the fear of the Lord, brothers and sisters, results in a hatred for sin and an aversion to it. 
And those who partake in that particular wisdom are careful to restrict themselves from iniquity, brothers and sisters. So this is what you're looking for when you're trying to find a friend or know if I can trust this brother or this sister. Once you're an adult, you're not looking for new friends just so you can go hang out at the um, at the bar. <laughs> We're too old for that, brothers and sisters. Everybody's not your friend. I remember when I was young, about 13, 14, every person I, if I knew your name, you was my friend. That's what I, yeah, I just had a new friend today, mom. She's like, that's not your friend. You don't even know that boy. You saw him at Safeway. <laughs> this is how we, you know, this is how we grow up, brothers and sisters. But as a believer, you have to put your friends to the test because you're going to need these friends to support you and maybe even carry you when you're down. So what? We have to prove who we can trust, brothers and sisters. We're going to Proverbs 8 and 13. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Read that again, brother. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. See, so this is brought into account as a description of wisdom, brothers and sisters. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way. And the forward mouth do I hate. See, so fear in the Most High will lead a man to abandon the evil way, brothers and sisters. And this is why you can trust. This is why you can trust a brother or a sister. This is how. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way. And the forward mouth do I hate. See, so if you fear the Most High, these are the things that you will be against, brothers and sisters. Pride, arrogancy. And a forward mouth. You don't want a friend around you, a brother or a sister around you that's prideful or arrogant and have a forward mouth where, where it's just a filthy mouth, a cusser. You don't want that. You, you can't bring that home to your wife. You can't bring that home to your, your father, your mother. You can't do that. So you want friends where you don't got to prep your parents before they come in like, yeah, uh, he, he just, that's just how he is. When he come in, he's going to be wild. Nah, nah, nah. You're dealing with a man or a woman that fear the most high, you don't even have to worry about that. Because they're going to treat him or her with the same respect that they would treat the most high. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Right. These are the things that the most high hate, brothers and sisters. Pride, arrogancy, a forward mouth. And all of these things you will resist if you fear the most high. If you feel if you fear his his judgment, if you fear his wrath, then you will change these things. And a man or woman who changed these things is a trustworthy man or woman. That's crystal clear, according to scripture. Proverbs chapter six, verse sixteen. Proverbs six and sixteen. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yes, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. These particular characteristics belong to a friend that should not be a friend of yours. Verse 18. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift into running to mischief. See, feet that's swift to run to drama. Anytime there's some drama. Oh, what, she, what was going on in a relationship? Oh, right? Oh, bro, there was a fight there. I got it on the video, bro. You, you ain't seen the fight? You remember that at school? Everybody. See, so those type of people 
a person who want to run the mischief, who want to run the drama, who want to run to iniquity, that's not a good friend. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. <clears throat> and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speak lies, and him that sow a discord among brethren. See, one that sow a discord among brethren. So he'll come amongst the brethren and start saying... Bro, did you you hear what he said about you, bro? Or sis, you hear what she said? So they'll come in between brothers and sisters who have peace and start sowing discord. That's against the Most High. The Most High hate that most of all. A brother come in somewhere and start trying to break people apart. The Most High hate that above all, brothers and sisters. Read that last scripture again. Verse 19. A false witness that speak lies and him that sow discord among brethren. Right. These are the things that the Most High hate. So these are the particular character traits that if a man or a woman have these things will not make a good friend of you. You will not be able to trust this person. This person will betray you. They're not loyal. The Bible is telling us right here, brothers and sisters. The Bible is telling us right here. Brother Corey, can you read Proverbs 6 and 16, please? Verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yes, seven are an abomination unto him. So a person who fears the Most High would help you walk a path of righteousness opposite of what we're getting ready to read. Verse 17. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief. Verse 19. A false witness that speaketh lies, and him that sowed discord among brethren. Right, so a true friend, brothers and sisters, would run interference between you and evil, not facilitate the evil. They're not going to assist you in doing evil. They're going to help shield you from evil. That's what a true friend is, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 27 and 5. A lot of Proverbs scripture, wisdom scriptures. Proverbs 27 verse 5. Open rebuke is better than secret love. So true friends, brothers and sisters, expose sin in us. That keeps us from the most high. So a true friend will be honest with you, you know. Because why? Sin deceives us. It darkens our understanding and makes us fools, brothers and sisters. So much so that we, a lot of times, we're walking in sin and we're convinced that we're actually following the most high God. And that's the importance of having true friends, brothers and sisters. This is why we need desperately true friends. True friendship requires a certain level of accountability, brothers and sisters. If you can't hold your friends accountable, that's something wrong with that. Especially as an adult, brothers and sisters. You have to be able to hold your friends accountable. They should be able to hold you accountable. Vice versa, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. Open rebuke is better than secret love. So we need friends to lovingly show us our sin. We need friends to help us see our blind spots. We need friends that will speak brutally honest to us, brothers and sisters. Verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Right. So truth sometimes, brothers and sisters, hurts. But flattery and or patronizing someone in the end usually does more harm than good, brothers and sisters. So the truth may sting, but it's better than patronizing them and them finding out when there's no chance for redemption or repent, repentance, brothers and sisters. Read those two one more time, brother. Verse 5. 
Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceit. Right, so a true friend tell you what you need to know, not what you want to hear, brothers and sisters. When you're messing up, your brother, who's close enough to you, say, bro, you you tripping on that, bro. That that right there is wild. Or your homegirl come to you and say, sis, you're not acting yourself right now. That's not you. That's what a true friend does, brothers and sisters. That's what a true friend does. They don't enable you to just continue to uh, hang yourself. They don't, that's not what a true friend does. That's not what a godly friend does, brothers and sisters. And we're talking about godly friends. Why? Because offenses will come. So if you surround yourself with people who have the same perspective of life as you, there's it's less likely that these offenses will come. Offenses will come, but it's less likely you lower the percentage of offenses. We're going to jump to verse 17, brother. Proverbs 27 and 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Read that again, brother. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. See, so friends should assist and strengthen each other, brothers and sisters, to grow and improve spiritually. That's what friends are for, brothers and sisters. The Bible likens this interaction between two faithful friends who are seeking improvement for one another to a sword and a, 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 a sharpening rock or a sharpening stone. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. Iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Right. So a just man, brothers and sisters, sharpens the face of his sword against a sharp, an iron sharpener. Right, in order to make it suitable for combat, right? So does a faithful friend. So does a faithful friend, brothers and sisters. A friend equips you with constructive criticism in order for you to succeed, brothers and sisters. So sharpening, iron sharpen iron, brothers and sisters. Your friend is supposed to compel you or encourage you, stimulate you to actually develop spiritually, to become a better woman, to become a better man. If your friends don't do that. That you need to examine that because they're probably influencing you to do something else, brothers and sisters, one way or another. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. Iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Right. So a, friend, a faithful friend equips his friend for success by constructive criticism. This is how you sharpen iron, brothers and sisters. There's, there have to be a substance a substance to your foundation of a friendship. Your friendship shouldn't be, well, yeah, this is my homeboy. We just go out to the bar. You know, we just, that's all we do. We go out to the bar. We just watch the game, get drunk. That should not be the foundation of a man or a woman, an adult's relationship, brothers and sisters. There have to be some substance there. There have to be something that can stick to the bones. There's got to be a foundation there, brothers and sisters. You help me, I help you. We both grow spiritually. And get into the kingdom of heaven. That's the whole purpose. Not oh yeah we hang out because uh, we like tattoos. Or we both like the same clothing line. Yeah. We both like Levi. So you know we hang out because we the Levi brothers. <laughs> no. No. You're just wasting your time. Your friends should encourage you. To succeed. To be a man or woman of God. To encourage you. To stimulate you. To help protect you from evil. We're going to Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 in the, in the Old Testament. Chapter 4, we're going to read verse 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. 
Two are better than one. Read that again, brother. Two are better than one. So people simply do much better when they're working together, brothers and sisters. Two is really better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. Read that one more time, brother. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Right. So, brothers and sisters, the Most High's way is not a total independence from others. It's actually an interdependence of close relationships and of working together well as a team to accomplish a set goal. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 10. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Right. So if you're in the wilderness, you're in the cold, two bodies have the body heat, brothers and sisters. The two bodies have the body heat. And because of that, two is better than one, just like the scriptures tell you. The Bible tell you what? Where two or more is gathered, he's in the midst, right, brothers and sisters? So the Bible don't want you to be alone. It doesn't want you to be without friends. He just wants you to prove who your friends are. Because there's a good chance if they're not men and women of God, they're going to stab you in the back and betray you. And then you'll be offended. So we must prevent that, brothers and sisters, by surrounding ourselves with people who are not offended by truth or our lifestyle. Uh, what scripture did you leave off on, brother? I 12? just finished 11. Okay, can you read 12, please? Verse 12. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. See? So if you're overcome by one, your brother have your back to help lift you and defend you while you get back on your feet. Or your sister. Either way, brothers and sisters. So what? We have to be amongst people we can trust. People who fear the most high. That we know we can trust with counsel, with guidance. Read that from the top, brother. Verse 9. Verse 9. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Right. So, brothers and sisters, we must have friendships built on a foundation with substance. There must be a foundation, brothers and sisters, for you to have a true God-filled, a righteous relationship or a friendship with somebody. These are the principles that must be implemented. This is the friend that you must be. This is the friend you must be, brothers and sisters. And this is the type of friend you look for. Brothers and sisters, we're going to John 15 and 13. Bear with us, brothers and sisters. John 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Right. So godly friends desire their friends' welfare, brothers and sisters. They find joy in the prosperity of their friends and their sorrow your friend's sorrow is your misfortune, your grief, brothers and sisters. It says lay down your life because why? If you are trying to bring a brother or sister into Christ, but yet you're sinning, you're fornicator, you're a thief, you're a robber. 
how is that going to bring your brother or your sister over to Christ? So you actually have to lay down what it is that you want to do to be an example for your brother or for your sister, to know how much influence you actually have. That's what this is talking about, brothers and sisters. Give up the life that you want so your brother can have a, <clears throat> so your brother can have a chance at getting into the kingdom. That's the whole purpose, brothers and sisters, to help our brothers and sisters reach their righteous reward. Our brothers and sisters who don't have knowledge, who aren't, quote-unquote, awakened, they deserve a chance. They deserve the truth. We all, each and every one of us, know how much the truth has changed us and built us to spiritually develop and mature us. Our brothers and sisters deserve that same opportunity, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If ye do whatever, whatsoever I command you. Right. So godly friendships, brothers and sisters, are self-sacrificing and life-transforming, brothers and sisters. Righteous, righteous friendships are a treasure. Righteous friend. If you have a true friend, that's a treasure, brothers and sisters. We're Verse. going to go to Ecclesiasticus in your apographer. Ecclesiasticus or Sirach. We're going to read chapter 6, verse 17. Ecclesiasticus 6 and 17. Whoso feareth the Lord shall direct his friendship aright. For as he is, so shall his neighbor be also. Read that again, brother. Whoso feareth the Lord shall direct his friendship aright. So the best gift that a friend can give is his or her commitment to help you fight against evil, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. Whoso feareth the Lord shall direct his friendship aright. For as he is... So shall his neighbor be also. Right, so a good friend helps you fight for your communion with Christ in the kingdom, brothers and sisters. Conversely, the worst distortion of a friendship arises when a friend encourages or, you know, encourages, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, a brother to entertain evil. So if you have a friend that they want you to entertain evil, that's not really a friend. That's, that's an enemy, actually. That's an enemy dressed up as your friend. That's not a friend because they're leading you to hell, brothers and sisters. You want to be amongst people who are going to help you fight, who are going to hold you up, who are going to support you and identify with your struggle and not be dismissive. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. Whoso feareth the Lord shall direct his friendship aright. For as he is, so shall his neighbor be also. Right. So, brothers and sisters, those of us who are believers... It's imperative that you share information with your brothers and sisters who may not be in the truth. You're not a friend of them just to be hanging out and playing Xbox. The Most High made you a friend with them because he knows you got truth and you'll give it up. That's the whole point. If you're friends with a non-believer, you should be friends with them because you want them to be a believer. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole purpose of being friends with people who are not believing, brothers and sisters. It's to, little bit by a little bit, pull them on over to Christ. Pull them on over to the Most High side. That's the whole purpose. Not for you to just keep the information to yourself and let your friend be a sinner and a fornicator and a thief and a robber and a stripper and a drug dealer. And you don't have nothing to say about that. If you love your brother or your sister, you let them know that there's a judgment behind this, brother, if you don't stop this. And I love you and I don't want you to receive that judgment, but you will. If you don't put this down, brother, that's your purpose. 
That's your purpose is to encourage our people to be better. Give them something righteous to look at, brothers and sisters. Influence them in a positive fashion. In a positive fashion. Because why? A man who, who's a, whose uh, behavior is not becoming of a man of God. The person you're trying to bring to Christ is going to use that to deflect the truth. To say, well, he's doing this and he's doing that. Why would I want to be involved in that? Why would I want to be involved in that? So we must understand our influence, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 in the New Testament. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, brothers and sisters. Hebrews 10 and 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to, and to good works. See, so true friends encourage us to obey the Most High, brothers and sisters. That's what true friends do. Read that again, brother. Verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works. Right. So we should stimulate each other to good works, brothers and sisters. That's what your friends should do. Your true friends, your close friends should stimulate you to want to be right, to deal with self-reflection, to want to grow together so you guys can be together, you know, for eternity in the kingdom. Often, obedience to the most high takes courage. And a lot of times, non-believers or people who are new in the truth don't have enough courage to stand alone. So they actually need you. Without faithful cheerleading, brothers and sisters, you know, of righteous friends, people can easily shrink. Because why? It takes courage to not celebrate these holidays. It takes courage to say, even though I'm at the party and there's only pork on the table, I'm just not going to eat. It takes courage to say, it's Saturday, I do kind of want to, you know, do kind of want to go out, but Saturday. That takes courage, brothers and sisters. And a lot of people don't have that courage, so it takes you to be a cheerleader for them, to encourage them to want to do right. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. Right. So a lot of new believers, brothers and sisters, they don't want to willingly disobey, but also they're too afraid to step up in faith. So that's where you come in. That's where the believers come in. That's where the men of God come in. That's where the women of God come in, brothers and sisters, to become faithful cheerleaders for those who are interested in coming, you know, getting into the kingdom. We love when brothers and sisters get interested in the Bible. We want to support you. We'll give you anything you need. We'll give you anything you need because we need your help. We can't carry this alone. We need your gift. Because everybody have gifts that are going to be utilized to make sure we're safe. They may, it may not be right now. But when time comes and rubber meet the road, that brother who didn't have the most knowledge, that sister who was new is actually going to have the idea to sustain us. So each and every person have a purpose and a gift that can be utilized for the work. The work of Christ. Not our work. Not the commandment keeper's church work. This is Christ's work. That was established under Christ and the 12 disciples. We're just doing a part. We need each and every one of you to step up and do a part. So that means you have to pray to the Most High. Ask Him what your gift is and how you can utilize it to build the work. And then the church will facilitate that. We need each and every person to look within themselves. What is your gift? What is your talent? And how can you utilize it for the Most High? We're going to Hebrews 3 and 13. Just a few chapters over. 
Verse 13, brother. Hebrews 3 and 13. This is what a good friend does, brothers and sisters. But exhort one another daily. Encourage. While it is called today, least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Right. See? The encouragement we are told to give here, brothers and sisters, it isn't flattery. It's not superficial inspiration. Encouragement is giving courage and strength to others to complete this daunting task that is at their feet. Because it is a daunting task to drop everything that you were raised to believe is true and to make a change. That's a daunting task, brothers and sisters. And it's hard to do it alone. You need a support system. You need brothers and sisters who've gone through it and who are still going through it, who are dealing with self-denial, with self-restraint. If you're around a bunch of men who can't restrain themselves, those aren't men. Those are boys. A man who can't restrain himself is not a man. That's a boy. So it's about time that the men, the Israelites, we grow up and surround ourselves with men that are going to fight for Christ. They're going to fight for you. That's going to protect you. That's going to respect you. That's what we're looking for, brothers and sisters. Because why? We're in the time of Jacob's trouble. And we need to know who our true friends are, brothers and sisters. Read verse 13 one more time, brother, please. Verse 13. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Right, so we should tell our brothers, you know, obedience glorifies the Most High and it counts in, it counts in eternity. These are the things that you must say to encourage people to come into the truth. They must see something about you that makes them want to deal with what you're learning. You all have a huge responsibility. It's not what you're saying. It's what you're doing. Because why? People see better than they hear, brothers and sisters. So they may not let you break down the Bible and get out all these scriptures, but they see how you're acting. They see how you treat them. They see, see your humility. They see your meekness or they see your anger. They see your disobedience, one or the other. That's, that's it, brothers and sisters. That's how you actually get somebody into being interested is through how you're treating them. Through how you're treating people. Through how obedient you are. Through the encouragement. You must encourage brothers and sisters. Read that one more time brother please. Before we move on. Verse 13. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today. Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Right. So choose friends who encourage and inspire you to serve the most high. Brothers and sisters. Not to, to, to go... You know, do something illegal. You remember those friends that you used to have when you were young? The only thing they really wanted to do was probably get high, probably. Or maybe go to the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go for, Let's go to the mall. You know, walk around a hundred times, find some girls. Right? That's when, in your youth, hey, I was young. We was all young at some time. But when you become a man, you put childish things away. We're going to Ecclesiasticus 6 and 5. In the Apocrypha. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiasticus 6 verse 5. Sweet language will multiply friends. And a fair speaking tongue will increase kind greetings. Right. So that's being critical of the, the, the weight of your words. Verse 6. Be in peace with many. Nevertheless, have but one counselor of a thousand. Right, so we must be at peace with all men, whether he's a Muslim or a Buddhist or doesn't matter. We be at peace with all men, brothers and sisters. Verse 7. 
If thou wouldst get a friend, read that again. If thou wouldst get a friend, prove him first. Read that again. Prove him first. So if thou would get a friend, you must prove him or her first, brothers and sisters. You must prove. Why are you here? What's your purpose with me? What what can we do together? What can we accomplish together? Can we create something for the most high together? Why? Because I'm not just trying to hang out with dudes. I'm too old to be just hanging out with brothers. Yeah, yeah, you want to just go hang out on the corner and just talk all day? Nah, not really, brother. Not really. I'm good. Yeah, you want to go hang out in front of the liquor store, drink a brewski? I'm good, brother. Thank you, though. Appreciate that. But no. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. If thou wouldst get a friend, prove him first. And be not hasty to credit him. Right. So you must prove your friends, brothers and sisters, who is going to be there in the de- in that day that you can count on. Who is a man of God? Who can you trust? Who's a woman of God? Who can you trust with your secrets? Who can you trust with your counsel? Who can you trust? You're going to need to know who you can trust, brothers and sisters. Things are going to get hectic and you have to know who is your friend, brothers and sisters. How do you prove a friend? John 15 and 15. How do you prove a friend? John 15, verse 15. Actually, start at 14, brother. Verse 14. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Read that again, brother. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. See, so a man or a woman who follow the Most High is a friend. Plain and simple. If a man or woman follow the Most High, you can trust that man or woman. I can trust your integrity, brother. I can trust your morals, your ethical principles, brother. The Bible show you how to tr- how to measure a man or woman's trustworthiness, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse fourteen: Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. See, so that's that's clear right there. This is this is a requirement of. You know, a checklist of who your friends are. Because there's certain friends, when girlfriends get together, it's that one friend who always want her homegirl to go go upstairs, girl, put your freaking dress on, put the tightest thing you got on, push your chest to your chin. We're going to go to the club. See? Because you have those friends. Brothers, too. Brothers, too. So, listen, I, you know, do you want to, can we agree on this? If we can agree on this, then hey. But if we can't agree on this, then what? what, what? Read it again, brother. Verse 14. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Why? Because this person will respect you the way that the Bible say respect you. That's the only way. And you'll respect them the same way. So if a man follow the Bible, there's certain things he will not do. For example, Ecclesiasticus 9 and 9. If a man follow the Bible... Then that means he'll follow what we're getting ready to read right now. Now, if a man don't follow the Bible, then there's a good chance he's going to do whatever he want to do. Ecclesiasticus 9 verse 9. Sit not, all, sit not at all with another man's wife, nor sit down with her in thine arms, and spend not thy money with her at the wine. So the Bible tells you, sit not with another man's wife and take her to wine. You don't sit down with another man's wife and drink alcohol. You don't sit down with another man's wife and get inebriated, get hot. You don't do that. Now, see, a man of God, he's following these laws. That's why you can trust him. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 9. 
Sit not at all with another man's wife, nor sit down with her in thine arms, and spend not thy money with her at wine, lest thine heart incline unto her. And so thorough, thy, and so through thy desire thou fall into destruction. See? So we know if a friend is in submission to the Most High, there's certain lines that he will or she will not cross, brothers and sisters. See? Never drink alcohol with another man's wife. Never indulge wine with another man's wife. A man who fears the Most High is going to apply these particular laws. And see, that's where the trust comes in, brothers and sisters. This is where the trust comes in. How do I know I can trust you, brother? How do I know I can trust you, sister, if you're not following these laws? Read that one more time before we move on, brother. Verse 9. Sit not at all with another man's wife, nor sit down with her in thine arms, and spend not thy money with her at the wine. Lest thine heart incline unto her, and so through thy desire, thy fall into destruction. Why? Because you drinking that wine, you drinking that beer, and that thing rise up in you. Now you're looking at your brother's wife now. Now you're looking at your sister's husband now. So your homeboy, he come knock on the door, he waiting on you to get off work. She like, yeah, uh, he, he ain't here right now, he'll be here. Oh, can I just come use the bathroom real quick? Yeah, 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 it's cold out. You come use the bathroom. All right, you think you mind? I could just sit down. It's cold outside, you know. Some of that wine that's right there. I'm warm me right up. Nah, brother. Nah, <laughs> nah. Because if I come in the house and the wine is out and my wife is around, fisticuffs about to break off, brother. Fisticuffs about to break off. Period. So we need to know if we can trust you, sister. We need to know if we can trust you, brother. That's why we use the Bible as a measuring tool. Because you have to be careful who you bring around those who you love. You're responsible for who you bring around those who you love, brothers and sisters. And this is the way that you prove it. Ecclesiasticus 37, verse 12. Ecclesiasticus 37, verse 12. But be continually with a godly man. Read that again. But be continually with a godly man. Whom thou knowest to keep the commandments of the Lord, whose mind is according to thy mind, and will sorrow with thee, if thou shalt miscarry. So, brothers and sisters, be aware of those who are evil workers. One of the things that the Most High will do with your life once you come into a full surrender with him is he'll start to implement boundaries, brothers and sisters. And once these boundary lines start to go up, one of the first things that the Most High will decide to do for you and with you is to, he'll start pushing people out of those boundaries. He'll start bringing people into those boundaries. So he's going to start modifying who your friends are. He's going to say, no, 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 bring her. that one you can trust. That one you can't trust. That one you can't trust. That brother right there, last week he came over to bar a wrench and he was talking to your wife like, I don't know why he be treating you like that. I be seeing you. You do the best you could do. I don't know what. I don't know. He just don't see it sometimes. You come back upstairs with the wrench. She's like, all right, brother. Thank you. I'm good. See? So you have to know who you can trust, brother. You have to know. You have to be able to measure that man. That brother come to you and say, man, where you, where you meet her at? Need me one like that. I'm like, brother, what? What you mean you need one like that? What you saying about my wife that you need one like her, brother? <laughs> well, nah, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, brother, you know, it's hard out here, you know? No, what that brother's saying, I want her. I want her. That's what that brother's saying. 
You got to be careful, brothers and sisters. You must be aware, brothers and sisters. You must be able to prove your friends. If you're going to call them a friend, you must be able to prove them, brothers and sisters. You must be able to pass the test. Both ways. Can I trust you? Can you trust me? Both ways, brothers and sisters. This is the only way. This is the only way, and men should understand this. If anything, men should understand. Because when you're dealing with a man, you're dealing with his integrity. You're dealing with his morals, his principles. That's what men care about. We don't care about who had the nice car. We don't care about who think they dress the best. We care about your integrity, brother. That's what we care about. We care about your morals, brother. That's what we care about. Read that one more time before we move on, brother. <clears throat> Verse 12. But be continually with a godly man whom thou knowest to keep the commandments of the Lord, whose mind is according to thy mind, and will sorrow with thee if thou shalt miscarry. So if you allow the Most High to prune out the people that he doesn't want you to have in your life, then he will start to bring in the people that he does want to have in your life, brothers and sisters. Some people are not beneficial to you, brothers and sisters. Some people are just not beneficial to you in your relationship with the Most High, and you got to let them go. you got to let them go, because they're going to take you down with them. We got a few more scriptures here. Bear with us. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 6 and 14. Stand in the apographer for a while. We're talking about what a good friend is, brothers and sisters. What's a righteous friend? Ecclesiasticus 6 and 14. A faithful friend is a strong defense. Read that again, brother. A faithful friend is a strong defense. And he that hath found such a one hath found a treasure. See? So a faithful friend is a good defense, right? So that means I'm not going to allow you, brother, to make disparaging remarks about someone whom I respect. Straight off. If my brother is not in the room, listen, brother, listen. I don't want to hear this, brother. If you can't talk to that brother about it, I don't want to hear it, brother. I don't mean to offend you, but listen. Well, brother, sister, listen. If you can't speak to her about that, sis, then I, I can't hear that right now. That's what a faithful friend is. A faithful friend is a defense. Read that again, brother. Verse 14. A faithful friend is a strong defense. And he that hath found such a one hath found a treasure. See, so if you're a faithful friend, you tell that person that's gossiping about somebody, slandering somebody behind their back. Listen, you're not going to attack somebody I respect in my presence. Straight off. That's it. That's what a good friend does. A good friend defends you. He defends your honor. She defends your honor. Not come back and be like, yeah, he said all this stuff. And I'm like, wow. Why do you feel so comfortable telling you this? <laughs> why are they telling you all this stuff about me and I'm supposed to be your friend? You must defend, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 14. A faithful friend is a strong defense. And he that hath found such a one hath found a treasure. Right. So you must tell that brother or that sister, listen, you're not better than somebody because their faults is being magnified right now. I'm not going to allow you to grandstand on this brother or this sister while they're down. That's what a defense is, brothers and sisters. A defense, a friend know your fault, but wouldn't look to publicize it before the world. They know your fault, but they're not going to publicize it. They're a defense. That's what a true friend is. That's a true friend, brothers and sisters. That's the kind of friends that we must be. That's the kind of friends we're looking for. Read that one more time, brother. A faithful friend is a strong defense, and he that hath found such a one hath found a treasure. 
Nothing doth countervail a faithful friend, and his excellency is unvaluable. And that and that brings up another thing. We, you know, it. I'm flabbergasted to see when people are having relationship troubles, they go online and then they start putting out what they're going through with their husband or with their wife. It's like these people don't care. <laughs> Yeah, you get some likes or whatever, but at the end of the day, they don't care what you're going through. If anything, they're going to take everything you said about the dude that you said was a bad dude and use that against you when the time comes. Or you saying how your wife don't listen and all this, that's going to be used against you. These people online don't care about your relationship. You're supposed to be a, def a defense. A wife is supposed to be a defense for her husband. A husband is supposed to be a defense that means you don't show your husband's weakness or your wife's weakness before others. That's what that means. You covered. That's what that means, brothers and sisters. So we're talking about what? We're talking about what a righteous friend is. What's a righteous friend? Who can we trust? Proverbs 17 and 9. Proverbs 17 verse 9. He that covered the transgression... Seeketh love, but he that repeated a matter separated very friends. See, so don't spread information with the intent of changing somebody's perception of somebody else. So I'm not going to come to a brother and start saying stuff about another brother that could change his perception of that brother. You can't do that, whether it's true or not. You don't promote stuff about a brother or a sister that show them in a bad light. That's not a true friend. Read that again, brother. Verse 9. He that covered the transgression seeketh love, but he that repeated the matter separated very friends. See, repeated for matter. You go and tell her, man, you heard what he was going through? You heard what happened? See, you're not a good friend. You're not a good friend. A good friend is a defense, brothers and sisters. They shelter their friend. They shelter their wife. They shelter their husband. They don't look to grandstand on them. Because some people say, yeah, he fell. I knew the most I was going to get him, you know. I, I've seen him. I, I hung around him, brother. He ain't really that spiritual. He just be drinking a lot. That's all he be doing is getting hot. Listen, brother, why are, you putting the, why are you putting your brother business out there like that? Why are you putting your sister business out there like that? You're supposed to be a defense. You're not supposed to publicize what their flaws are. Because each and every one of us have flaws. And I'm pretty sure none of us want them publicized. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 9, he that covered a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeated a matter separated very friends. That's the key to true friendship, brothers and sisters. If you repeat something that a friend entrusted you with, that will likely be the end of that friendship, brothers and sisters. And anybody who's been through something like that understand the severity and the significance of that. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 22 and 5. Got about five more scriptures we're going to close out. Ecclesiasticus 22 verse 5. She that is bold dishonoreth both her father and her husband, but they both shall despise her. Excuse me. Ecclesiasticus 28 and 9. I'm sorry. Ecclesiasticus 28 verse 9. A sinful man disquieteth friends and maketh debate among them that be at peace. See? So when you have a brother who just go in between people and spread rumor and slander. See? That's not a good friend. That's an enemy. Read that again, brother. Verse 9. 
a sinful man disquieted friends and maketh debate among them that be at peace. Right. So the Bible says that where there's unity, God sends his blessings. But unity is a choice and gossip is a direct assault at the heart of unity, brothers and sisters. So when you have a brother or sister being a backbiter, a whisperer, going from here to here, well, you heard what was going on here? Well, yeah, I heard he did this. Well, yeah, I saw her here. Well, yeah, he was doing this. See? That person is the enemy, brothers and sisters. And if they'll do it to somebody else, they'll do it to you. So they may come to you talking about somebody else, but if they're doing that, then they'll definitely talk about you behind your back. As soon as you do something they don't like, they're going to go right behind your back and talk about you. That's an enemy, brothers and sisters. These people must be cut off. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 9. A sinful man disquieted friends and make a debate among them that be at peace. Right. See? So those kind of people that just want to gossip, who just want to bring up things that cause contention. You got to be careful of those people, brothers and sisters. That's not a friend. That's an enemy. And we should make sure we're not that person. That person who just spread things that we know is going to get a rise out of people. You can cover that. Even if a brother did do something, you can cover that. You can cover that. Even if a sister did do something, you can cover that. To keep peace. Ecclesiasticus 6 and 13. Bear with us. Ecclesiasticus 6 and 13. Separate thyself from thy enemies and take heed of thy friends. Read that again, brother. Separate thyself from thine enemies and take heed of thy friends. Right, because somebody who will talk behind a brother or sister's back, that's an enemy, brothers and sisters. That's not a friend. And sometimes this is the only way they know how to operate because they've never been corrected. So this is what they usually do. Even in the regular world, they just go back and forth and bicker and spread rumor and gossip. And if they've never been corrected, that's why it's going on. That's why you must separate yourself from them. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. Separate thyself from thy enemies and take heed of thy friends. A faithful friend is a strong defense. Right, that's true. A strong defense, brothers and sisters. We're going to Proverbs 16 and 28. We're rounding it off here. Proverbs 16 and 28. A forward man sword strife, and a whisperer separated chief friends. A whisperer separated best friends, brothers and sisters. So this is saying gossip separates friends, brothers and sisters. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife, and gossip separates friends, brothers and sisters. They'll look to rally a virtual lynch mob against you, brothers and sisters. Person that goes behind people spreading rumors, spreading gossip, whether it's true or not, because there's some things that's true, but don't show you in the best of lights, does it? So I had a brother tell me one time, it's, it's, it's not slander if it's true. I'm like, really, brother? So there's some things about you that we know is true. Would you like if I publicize that before everybody? So I don't want to hear that, well, if it's true, I can publicize it. No, no. Anything that's going to show your brother or your sister in a bad light, you cover it. You shield it. You go to the grave with that. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 28. A forward man sowed strife, and a whisperer separated chief friends. Right. So that shows you that somebody who gossips, somebody who slanders and talks about people behind their back will offend you, brothers and sisters. Because this lesson is about offense. And a person who do this, at some point they will offend you. 
So it's best to prevent that by surrounding yourself with people of like mind. I'm going to go to Ecclesiasticus 37, 1 and 2 in the Apographer. We've got one scripture after that. Ecclesiastes 37, verse 1. Every friend saith, I am his friend also. But there is a friend which is only a friend in name. There's a friend that's only a friend in name. So that means they had the title of a friend, but their actions don't show that they're a friend. A lot of times people will try to be your friend just so they can get in. So they can learn things about you. So they'll act like they like you, but really if they're an enemy... They're absorbing everything that they can to go against you when the time comes. So a lot of people won't have access to you unless they become a friend. They already probably don't like you for whatever reason. So they're like, you know what? I mean, you know, I'm going to go hang out, see what's going on. Because some people just want to see what's going on. They're up in your house looking around like, oh, okay. Okay, where can I sneak in that? Where can I get in that? So there's some people who are just a friend in name. Just to have access to you. Because they couldn't have access to you without being a friend. Read that again, brother. Verse 1. Every friend saith, I am his friend also. But there is a friend which is only a friend in name. Is it not a, is it not a grief unto death when a companion and friend is turned to an enemy? Wow. When a friend is turned to a foe, brothers and sisters. When there's betrayal. Now, growing up in the world, we have a blurred or skewed vision of what a friend is, brothers and sisters. We've gone over scriptures to show what a true friend is, what a righteous friend is, what a trustworthy friend is, brothers and sisters. Because people who are gossiping and going behind your back and slandering and being a whisperer or a backbiter, they will be turned to a foe. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. Is it not a grief unto death when a companion and friend is turned into an enemy? Right. So you can't just readily trust anyone, brothers and sisters. They must show that they're a friend first. You're not just hanging out to be hanging out. Because why? That's where offense come in. Some people are a friend just to say they know you. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, I know him. Just to say that they know you. Just to be around you. The whole time they don't even like you. But they'll come around acting like everything's sweet and everything's cool just so they can find out what your weakness is. That's really what it is. I need to be close enough so I can find out where he's weak. And then I can hold that for when I need. So you got to be careful, brothers and sisters. You got to be careful. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes 6 and then we're going to end it at 1 Corinthians. Ecclesiastes 6 and 8. Ecclesiasticus 6, verse 8. For some man is a friend for his own occasion. See, read that again. For some man is a friend for his own occasion. See, so you have brothers or sisters that will ingratiate themselves with you in order to discover what your weakness is. Sisters too. You'll have sisters who really don't really like you like that, but they come amongst you so they can actually find out your business and find out where your weakness is. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. For some man is a friend for his own occasion and will not abide in the day of thy trouble. Right. So when when the trouble come, when the adversity come, they're going to use everything they had already got on you, your weaknesses against you. They're not going to come against you while you're standing tall and strong. But when you fall, they're going to stay down there. Stay on down there. They're going to. They're going to, because why? They discovered your weakness, brothers and sisters. Most time, the enemy is standing closer than you actually think. Frenemies. 
Christ had 12, and one of them was a traitor. Christ had a traitor. So usually the enemy is standing somewhere close to you. Right? Read, read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. For some man is a friend for his own occasion. It will not abide in the day of thy trouble. And there is a friend who being turned to enmity and strife. Enmity means, uh, in, that means on the opposite side against something or someone. Verse 9. And there is a friend who being turned to enmity and strife will discover thy reproach. Right, so you have a friend that something happened that they didn't really like and maybe it offended them. So really now what they're doing is they're getting close to you to discover your reproach. So you allow a brother over your house, right? Y'all hanging, talking about the Bible, watching the game. Then he go back to, man, I was at the house, man. His wife was wearing pants, man. I'm like, whoa, hold on. Hold up. He was in there. I thought I smelled pork in there. Yeah. Yeah, his wife was in there. She didn't have her head covered or nothing. See? He coming in to discover a weakness, brothers and sisters. Right? You come in the house, you got your, your homeboy with you, you want to sit back and have a Cohiba cigar. I don't smoke cigars, but I'm just saying. You come back, you want to have a cigar and a glass of wine. He, he come in the house, he like, he's a drunkard. I ain't seen him touch the Bible one time. He's a drunkard. See? So they come in, get close to you, see what your weakness is, and then publicize it before everybody. Read that again, brother, from the top, please. Verse 8. For some man is a friend for his own occasion, and will not abide in the day of thy trouble. And there is a friend who, being turned to enmity and strife, will discover thy reproach. See? Just to discover your reproach. Just to understand what your weakness is, brothers and sisters. So we must be cognizant of the enemy that's out there. And sometimes the enemy is standing closer than we actually realize. The only way we can measure a man, measure a woman in their trustworthiness is through this Bible, through this book, through the morals, the integrity, the biblical principles established in this particular record, brothers and sisters. We're going to end it here, 1 Corinthians 5 and 11. First Corinthians, we're going to read chapter 5, we're going to read 11 through 13. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 11. But now I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a, drunk, a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. See, so if you're dealing with somebody, somebody who's called a brother can't be these things. Somebody who's called a sister can't be these things, because I'm not allowed to even sit down and eat with you. You're a fornicator, brother. I can't sit down and eat with you, brother. I can't sit down and eat with you. You are an idolatry. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 11. But now I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, a covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. Why? Why is it saying not to eat? Because these are prime candidates to become the enemy, brothers and sisters, for betrayal, to offend you. Believers are to avoid familiar converse with those who disgrace Christ's name, brothers and sisters. Such are only fit companions for their brethren in sin. And to such company, they should be left. Continue, brother. Verse 12. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? 
but them that are without, God judge it. Therefore, put away from among yourselves the wicked person. Read that part again. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Right. So, brothers and sisters, the Bible vehemently prohibits us from keeping company with men of the above character. Read that again from the top, brother. Verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, a covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. Would such a one know not to eat? For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Right. So, brothers and sisters, those particular type of people must be excommunicated, cut off. You cannot be around these kind of people. I mean, of course, you're in the world, so most people are like this. But somebody who's going to be a close friend, somebody who you're going to work together with in the kingdom is not this person. This is a prime candidate of somebody who's going to give you up and turn you in when you offend them. And sometimes the offense is not even warranted. It's just because you're dealing with truth. And that truth offends people, brothers and sisters. That light shining on somebody's darkness, that is enough offense right there for somebody to give you up. Like Judas. Judas was Christ's closest friend. Judas was the most popular. He was, he was over the money. And something happened that turned him bitter. Which had him have his brother crucified. And then the fact after that, he gave back the money. He felt so bad. The money that he sold Christ out for, he gave it back and then killed himself. So, brothers and sisters, to protect ourselves from offense, to protect ourselves from being offended, we're going to use these biblical principles to put on the whole armor of God. We're going to prevent certain circumstances by placing the right people around us, brothers and sisters. You want to be a king, you hang around kings. You want to be a queen, you hang around queens. If you want to be a millionaire, you probably want to hang out with millionaires, not somebody who's homeless. You want to hang around people who have what you want, who can help you strive to get what your desires are, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was the spirit of offense. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.